What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Recorded live. Well, hello, 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 my listening audience. It's your girl, Barbara McGee, and we are here in the penthouse live on Straight Talk uh, with the Hired Brush, and we have in the house our co-host and executive producer, wealth expert, Mr. Rodney Beck. Hello, Rodney. How are you? Hey, pretty good, Barbara. How about yourself? How's that weather down there in Southern California? It is 110. Today was 110. And my meter only goes to 102. So I tell you, I was left, I was left out of the beach crowd. Just know it. And we've got, uh, I believe, uh, Pastor Bob. Pastor Bob, is that you? That's me. All right. So in the penthouse today, we have... Pastor Bob, uh, coming from the Bay Area, and we have open forum today. Pastor Bob, how are you? Oh, I'm I'm blessed. No problems at all. As long as I'm kicking and can get up and and uh, eat a little bitty, study a little bitty, pray a little bitty, and go out and talk to people a little bitty, I'm all right. Oh, wonderful. Hey, well, hey, the- hey, I know about them little bitties, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> hey, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Oh, I'm so, blessed. I hope you. I hope you're all right. Yeah, we doing. I'm doing a little bitty. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love I it. I love my, it. My oldest cousin's first girlfriend's name was Little Bitty. <laughs> oh, hey, I got you on that one. <laughs> well, everybody, we're here on Straight Talk uh, with the Itty Bitties, okay? <laughs> I hope I said it right. I'm totally outside of this joke. But I will say this. Uh, we are just, uh, okay, gentlemen, let's, uh, let's just start with uh, uh, what's really going on right now. You know, we have Houston is underwater. Houston right now is absolutely underwater. And our prayers go out to Houston uh, from T25CL, all the things that possibly we can do in terms of uh, uh, sending positive vibes. Uh, We are doing it, doing our prayers uh, from T25CL, if I may say, from Straight Talk, from myself personally, Rodney Beth, Pastor Bob, 
we all are sending our love to Houston. Uh, Rodney, so what are your thoughts? What is the latest that you have heard uh, about Houston? Well, you know, um, they're preparing for another big storm, and it's predicted. And, and, and hear me, hear me when I say it's predicted to come. I think uh, within the next twenty-four hours. Uh, the surprising thing about these storms is they're predicted, and they have um, on the far east. Their storms happen, and they say, oh, my God. Like the tsunami that occurred, it was big. They didn't predict that. But here in America, they are predicting this, this, these things left. They're predicting them right. I mean, New Orleans, now Texas. Uh, I'm not don't, – don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to point a finger, but the Crump canceled the department, and the next thing you know, we got a catastrophe. Absolutely, absolutely. And I understand we don't have a FEMA director. I was just looking at a, uh, a posting from Lynette McElhaney, who's on the city council in Oakland, California, and uh, she was saying that uh, um, that there was a budget, or there is a budget, that President Obama put into place for situations like this. And that is what uh, 45 has disconnected and uh, had done away with just days before this horrific uh, appearance on the Doppler of Harvey. Uh, Pastor Bob. Uh, Now, I know that you are an Oakland resident. You've been in Oakland for many, many years. And what that means is you were there for the Loma Prieta earthquake. Um, So what – now, earthquakes are different than, let's say, a hurricane because you have some kind of warning. As Rodney said it best, there's a prediction, there's a timing, there's an expectation. So what happened to you, if you could just tell us in two minutes or less, in 1989 at 5.02 in Oakland, California, during the World Series when Oakland was playing San Francisco, what were you doing when all of a sudden the earthquake hit? Well, first of all, I was in my car. I had to make rounds on my job, but my car began to shake and rattle and roll and stop and rattle and roll and stop. And uh, I just got, my, got you know, started my car and kept on going until uh, a bunch of people told me, uh, don't you know about the earthquake? And I said, what earthquake? Where? They said, all over the area. I said, oh, that must have been what I was shaking for was the earthquake because, you see, I didn't know it was an earthquake. And then I started to helping people after I found out that it was an earthquake. The young people needed help. So, but you see, when we talk about floods, I can also tell you about floods because in Oak Muggy, Oklahoma, 
we had a flood almost every year. And the people have to, we had to go upstairs on the second floor because the water would cover all of the first floor. And you couldn't be down there. As a matter so, of so fact. You're, so, you, so you're saying that in your house, the first floor, meaning the kitchen, the living room, the bathroom, and the entrance yep. and exit would be flooded. And you would Come go upstairs and you would be upstairs inside of the upper areas of the house. And there yep. you would reside until uh, the flood subsided or until you had to escape. Rodney, let me ask you. Uh, were you involved with the Loma Prieta earthquake? And if not, wh- what natural disaster have you survived? And what did you do to make sure you did? Well, Barbara, I was here. When the earthquake okay. occurred, I had just purchased my first home over on Brookdale Avenue on, um, in Oakland. And yes. uh, myself and my ex-wife, we were in the house. And at the top of the hill on Brookdale Avenue, going from from High Street, going up the hill, and the house just, I mean, it it actually shook. And we started heading outside, and I tell you, it was was an eye-opener. And if either one of us had gone into our jobs at that time when it occurred, both of us would have been coming across the Bay Bridge. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, you know, uh, for my, uh, for my um, experience with the Loma Prieta, I actually didn't even live in the United States. I lived in Canada at the time. I lived in Vancouver, B.C., and I had a friend who got in trouble they contacted me in BC and wanted me to get them a lawyer. And we drove 15 hours to make it to the court appearance and present the attorney, which was exactly what we did. And I saw my friend briefly. We uh, stood up, presented the attorney, and then it took all day for that to happen. So we got in the car and I was asked to come talk to the family about the arrangements and the payments and what have to, what had to be done because you know at that time it was you know you know wh- wh- how much money is this going to cost is really what what it was and I remember riding with these people I didn't know and we went to West Oakland and we went down uh, West Grand and we made her right there over by Wood Street we were turning off going down over by Wood and I remember. Stopping at the stop sign, I'm riding in the back seat, and we made a left, and it was a big Cadillac, and so the car was just swimming. You know, I felt like it was swimming at first, like it was going over speed bumps, you know? And uh, I remember thinking it was a warm day. It was a beautiful day. It was uh, uh, the um, uh, World Series, San Francisco Giants playing the Oakland A's. I mean, it was it was happening, right? And uh, Sparkling Bay Area day, and I remember looking and seeing to my left this smoke, 
And I was like, what kind of smoke is that? First it looked like it was fire, but then it was a plume, and then it came and engulfed the car. And then we had a plume of smoke around us, and I didn't know the people I was riding with. I was very, very upset. And I remember then seeing when the plume cleared, seeing the people jumping off the Nimitz because I was right within 100 yards of the Nimitz and would have been under the Nimitz had we had not made that left. And so the guys that were in the car jumped out, and the people that were standing around in the neighborhood, they all ran over. These would have been people probably I wouldn't have spoke to if I probably was walking down the street, but those were the people that became instant heroes and helped those people who were jumping off the Nimitz. We lost 252 people that day on that stretch of Nimitz, right there where I was. And then it was darkness in the Bay Area for three days. People that were in San Francisco were stuck there. People that were in Oakland were stuck in Oakland. Let me just say this. It says here, and this is uh, the um, this is the citizen's guide to disaster preparedness put together by the Marine Corps of America, and it says here a person's perception of a threat com- is composed of two components: the severity and Will they be susceptible to the threat? And what is the likelihood that this will happen to me? Pastor Bob, let me ask you. If somebody made an announcement, now this is with all due respect, if someone made an announcement to you and said, today you must flee your city, there's a flood coming in, we see it, we know it's coming, and if you decide to stay behind, if you don't leave now, write your name on one arm with a black felt-tipped waterproof marker and your Social Security on the other, would you leave with your family or would you try to wait it out? Well, you know, I've, I've been in circumstances where I had to wait it out several times uh, in disasters and, by the grace of God, survived all of them. Uh, mm. But there comes a time also when, you know, God put people in places that you don't know about. And when we talk about disasters like uh, like you have down there in, in Houston right now, uh, it was two weeks ago when uh, I saw the news uh, stating that uh, there was a terrible storm coming to Houston and Texas in that area. That was over two weeks ago. And then I saw many people say it. They was going to stay, and uh, they was going to wait it out, okay? So there's a time when you get a warning that you should take heed and not listen to yourself about what your material things are and get on out, you know? And right. maybe for some right. of that time, you can stay. Uh, like I was telling you about uh, the Oklahoma floods, which I went through several times. By the way, uh, Brother Ward, who is the CEO of uh, of uh, your network, uh, I believe I saw one of his relatives die in a flood. This gentleman's name was Ward from Oklahoma. He was uh, mm. one of the greatest swimmers that we had. Uh, he could have been in the Olympics. 
and he dived right out by my house where I was to get a, another gentleman by the name of Mr. Ashby, who, whose boat tipped over, and he dived in the water to, to get Mr. Ashby, and they both went under together. So, you know, that's something else that I have seen as a kid. So I think if you've got a warning, heed the warning. As you were saying about the earthquake, uh, you could be warned of a tremor, but you don't know what kind of tremor is going to be and where you're going to go in an earthquake, except to uh, if you've got a safe place that you think you have, uh, that's where you better go. But with an earthquake, it's, it's totally different with an earthquake. You know, I've been right. in hurricanes. I've been in hurricanes, and I've been in typhoons where I could not get any. They had to, we had to eat food that was 10, 15 years old. And, uh, I mean, it was, it was old food, but we dug it up in the military and ate it because we were in typhoons, and we couldn't go nowhere. So, so see, um, I've, been in, I've been in that situation, too. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we know there are natural disasters, and we know that uh, these things take major life. Uh, Rodney, just for uh, – I know that you are uh, watching the news and staying abreast. I mean, we – I uh, also had uh, Port Arthur was hit. Uh, it was uh, Corpus Christi, Rockport, of course, all of Houston. Then there was uh, Southeast Asia, where they had a monsoon that killed 12,000 um, and displaces millions. And then, like you say, in a week or so, uh, there's another eye of the storm looking right at New Orleans. So should we always have canned soup and water and things of this nature within our possession? Or, I mean, I mean what, what would you say about preparedness? What does that word mean to you? Well, I, I think in today's society, if you live in an area that has encountered any type of natural disaster, you would be really at odds with yourself for not preparing. Um, you know, there's a there's an old um, scripture story that many, many, many people recite, especially when I was in North Carolina, I used to hear it a lot, where the uh, God sent this, uh, this man, he got this brand new house and he was all excited and jumping up and down, and and all of a sudden, like Dr. Kwaku, he got a notice saying, "Hey, uh, there's a big storm coming, and and you should move." And the man said, "No, God gave me this house, and He wouldn't let nothing happen to me. I'm gonna stay right here." Mm. Then, a, then a man came by on a boat. Water had started coming in. He rolled through on a boat and said, hey, it's going to get higher. You, 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 need to, you need to get in. He said, well, God gave me this house, and I know he's not going to take it away from me. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to have my faith, and I'm going to stand right here. And then all of a sudden, man flew by in a helicopter, and he was up sitting on the roof. And the man said to the helicopter driver, no, I'm not going anywhere because he gave me this house, 
and I know I'm going to be all right, and I'm not going. Well, man died. The house got washed away. He got up into heaven and met St. Peter. And St. Peter, he said to him, I don't understand this. I, I, I don't understand. He gave me the house. I don't understand what happened. St. Peter said to him, I gave, he gave you three warnings. He gave you three messengers. He gave you three opportunities. But you chose not to listen. So that's why I'm saying in America, we're getting some serious messages about this land. Yeah. And are we listening is what it's going to see. Are we listening? Disaster, corruption, destruction, Barbara, and murdering is not something that's favorable with God's children. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know what? I am, I am totally with you on that. But I, I, I just want to say, gentlemen, I, I'm just really, okay, so today I picked my daughter up from school. I was listening to Anderson Cooper on CNN. And everybody, you're listening to www.t25cl.com, Galaxy Talk Radio. This is Straight Talk Live. I'm here with Pastor Bob and um, uh, the wealth expert, Rodney Bass, and we're kind of going over the Houston situation right now. Our prayers and hearts go out to it. But I was listening to Anderson Cooper, and evidently they had someone on the ground in Houston, and it was the saddest story I've ever heard. I just, I had to pray and cry and just pray for the people. Evidently, there were four children, 16, 13, 12, and 9, or I I hope I got the ages right, or somewhere in that neighborhood, and they were with their grandparents. They were on the other side of town. And Green Green Bayou, I think it was. And uh, they got in the car with another brother-in-law or their son and decided to drive out. This was sometime uh, today. They decided that it was flooded. They were going to drive out. They got in the car, and the, the water just immediately just rose like five feet. And can you believe the gentleman was able to get out of the car? He tried to get them out. He was able to hold on to a tree, but the, the van submerged and they were all lost. And uh, it was just horrific to hear the mother talking about how she got the call and how she was just in shock about, well, what do you mean they're gone? Gone where? To hear her voice say, gone where? What, what city? Where were they at? Tell me, what, what do you mean they're gone? It was just heart-wrenching, and that's why my, my heart goes out to Houston and that entire area um, and that family and all those who are suffering. But, gentlemen, I want to know, what do you think about the fact that Lakewood Church, the largest church in America, which used to be the Houston Astrodome, uh, was said that Joe Osteen, who I admire, uh, refused to open his doors to the public. as if, And people, can you believe this? This is what really got me. People were, excuse me, walking down to the church to take pictures inside the window 
to put on Facebook to say there's no water in there. He should open this church up and let people come in. So, Pastor Bob, I want to point this uh, this directly to you because you're a pastor, and I just want to know what do you what do you think about that? What do you think about the fact that people us uh, people that aren't members of the church now, never been in there, assume because of the size of Lakewood and because of the wealth of the church that they should open their doors to anyone and everyone who has been displaced. What's your thoughts on that? Well, it's one simple thought to that. Did Jesus turn anybody down that was displaced? So is he preaching and teaching the gospel and acting like Jesus would act or act like uh, a Christian or act like the Bible or act like a leader should act in a position where you have uh, just total a calamity going on in the community, you should be the first one out there doing something. You should be the first one to show up and the first one to open the doors. If Jesus opened the door for you to have a huge ministry and a $10 million home, why shouldn't you open the doors up when you, where you can seat 17, where you can put in 17,000 people? That's more people that can go in his ministry in his in his ministry building than the convention center and the basketball uh, uh, auditorium in Houston. His church can hold seventeen thousand, and between the convention center and the basketball place, they can only hold nineteen thousand. So I've never been one to uh, care for Osteen. Period. Because to me, Osteen has been a money preacher all the time, bottom line, uh, you know, to tell you how good you are. And if you do this and you do that, you're going to be blessed. And if you do this and you do that, you don't be blessed. And the guy take the long sticks out and pass it through 17,000 people and get the money. Uh, he did come on and say, though, today, I give him credit for coming back with this, that he would never close the doors to people in trouble like that and that uh, his doors are open to the people who are in trouble. Now, he came back and said that later on today. So, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, I'm not, a, I'm not, again, I'm not, a, Osteen can't do nothing for me. But okay. he, is a, he is a minister. I don't know what his total beliefs are or whatever it is. He. You know, you got all kind of pastors and preachers and ministers out there who quote the Bible, but basically they want the money and the prestige. And so this okay. is going on. But he did offer his place. Okay. All right. So, Rodney, so uh, let me just ask you this question. Because, at you know, let me pose it to you this way. Oh, well, before I pose it, let me just say, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think, do you think that perhaps? Well, here, okay. Here's what I think. Let me just say this. <laughs> All right. So, do, do you do you remember? Do you remember the big problem with putting twenty thousand people in a dome setting? Do you remember that? Remember women were getting raped in the hallway. Remember kids were being molested. Do you remember it was just absolute chaos. There was not enough place for food. I mean, if I'm going to a concert 
and I'm going to be in a spot or going to church or going to a basketball. When you say 17,000 or 50,000 or 60,000 people, you're talking, you ain't talking about people laying down on mats. You're talking about people sitting in chairs and holding up cubic space. So I think personally, 45 has several golf courses and several hotels where rooms with showers, water, and amenities, because that's what people need. They need amenities. They need a distribution center. What's your thoughts, Rodney? You tell me. What do you think? You know, honestly, Pastor was wrong. First of all, the problem that I feel a few Christians have, Barbara, we talked about this before, is they regard it's my church. They regard the building as mine. And see, if he can pick that building up and put it in his pocket, I can see him saying, it's mine. Any Christian that walks into a building and they can pick it up and put it in their pocket, I can see them saying, it's mine. But until the concept of worship, praise, goes back to God and not the man in the pulpit, you're going to have people like Osteen that's going to stand there and say, I'm not going to open my church doors. I'm not going to open my building. I'm not going to allow my building to get flooded. He's going Come to on, say talk that. about it. <laughs> I'm going to, yeah, he's going, to, he's going to say that because we have put our faith in the man in the pulpit and not the man that gave him the pulpit. But today, but today, God is reminding those 57,000 people that come into that place once a week. He's reminding them, these walls belong to me, not you. And open the damn, <laughs> open the damn door. come on, talk about it. He opened that door so fast after people got on the social media and started saying, "How dare you? How can you turn well, people away?" Well, and he now, turned hold around on. and opened that door, but I'm gonna tell you, it's not over. You see, because well, oh. now they're trying to get gay passing. Pastor Kwaku, they're talking about taxing these nonprofits. See what that boy, see, he just started, what he started was a whole big snowball coming down a hill by saying, this is my building. This okay, ain't well, mine. now, okay, so so let's, I've, I've got a, a person here who has brought in a, a tweet here. It says, I couldn't help but wonder. 
why they asked Joe Osteen to open up the doors of his church to house flood victims. I would think it would be better suited for a place to go and pray and take up collections to help take care and house the victims. I think that cruise ship hotels um, would be better suited than inside stadiums like the Astrodome. It says, would be better used uh, for just as it is a stadium. Or better, yet we have a president who has so many hotels and golf courses uh, that he likes to show to the, e- the elite um, um, how some of those people inside of those uh, hotels and shelters that can actually help people because, like I said, you know, there's not even enough facilities in there, actually, to maintain and be responsible for people. I think um, there's something that happens when a private sector, now just hear me out, gentlemen, when a private sector company or nonprofit, if you will, purchases what is seen as a public building, then the public still remembers they paid the property tax on that building. They remember that they had a buy-in. They remember the initiatives and the bond measures that made all that happen because at some point in time, they did pay for it. Uh, they didn't get any money when it, when it changed hands, but at some point they paid for it. So I think yeah. what happens is, is there's a, a level of ownership to these public buildings. And, no, uh, no, Barbara, Mm-hmm. This this person that wrote you that text, they are missing the point. They're missing they're oh. missing the, 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 the point. The point is okay. there are people who are immediately pushed out of their inhabitants. There are people who are immediately homeless. So what instead of concentrating on the fact that they can go here, they can go here, they can go here, they can go. There's a place right in front of you down the street. So what you what these people are saying, this person is saying, oh, they can go, while we look at these, uh, we don't have time to focus on these other places. We have time to get my family, get inside and say, okay, everybody's here. Let me call my sister that was two blocks down the street, see if she's made it somewhere. Let me call this person. They, see, people people kill me. They want to focus on something that pertains to nothing of the emergency. But if the emergency ever comes to their front door, I guarantee you they'll understand what it means when he said get out and get somewhere safe, and you go to the door, and the guy is saying the place is flooded, and there's no water even on the front door. You see, okay, that's... But- that's what well, people got to they gotta, they gotta keep that and take that away. No, no it, we're not talking about the other places. We're talking about the lives of children. We're talking about the lives of humans. Let me just stop you right there. Do know that it is duly noted that Joel Osteen and T.D. Gates were one of the very few churches, both of them, who came to the rescue of blacks that was stranded for five days in Katrina. So it's not that they cannot do it, but I will tell you this, that I've noticed that many of these shelters, they don't have blankets, they don't have running water, 
They don't have food. They don't have uh, a cot. You know, the people are coming to these shelters. And I, heard, I saw three um, interviews today, and they were saying, why did they have us come here when they're not ready for us? Houston can do better than this. We have no blankets. We have no shoes. We have, they have nothing. So sometimes, you know, it's the idea that, you know, you think you're doing a good thing because you rush quickly into something without being prepared. I, I, Pastor Bob, what do you think we could be doing here? Uh, because I know you're very good at rounding up food and rounding up resources. What do you think we could do here? And is it realistic for us to have, like, let's say a clothing drive or a food drive here and ship that back to Houston, let's say to a sister church that can distribute it? Uh, I mean, aside from the government who really is supposed to be responsible for all of this, what can we do as participating Christians to uh, make this better? What, what's your thoughts? If you can give me three thoughts we can well, do. Look, Ed, you know, you guys went through a lot of things. And I, I respect my gentleman, my brother, who just spoke. And I just concur. I agree with him uh, 100% in what he's saying. And I can add a few things. When you're talking about Christians, you don't think about buildings. And and you don't think about what building you're going into. And I know you study in Christian history, but if you study Christian history, you'll find out they did look out for each other. You find out they did look out for those who weren't amongst them. You find out that they did have shelters and were the first shelter. And so I believe T.D. Jakes, millionaire, Osteen, millionaire, bring up some food, get some food, and forget about your place getting dirty because that's why they make vacuum cleaners and rug cleaners and things <laughs> and to clean up the seats and all of that kind of stuff. So forget about that. And like the gentleman said just now, if a person is destitute and in trouble, they just want to get out of trouble. If a man is hungry, give him a hamburger. Don't sit there and talk about how why did you get hungry. These people are, are in trouble. Whatever place well, they can go well, to is a place know, for them to go. Wait a minute. Let me get through, please, because I, I know where you're going already. You like Osteen. But the whole deal is this. If you got a building and that building can be used to aid and help people, help them. That's what Amen. the Christian duty is. That's what Amen. a Christian would a big ministry would do. And he would call up some of the people who are not in the flood and say, you got to get down here and help us, sister and brother. Let's cook some food, have some hot coffee, and some stuff ready for these people because they got a bunch of them coming. The man can put in many, many people. They just want to get out of the rain, sister. They want to get in a dry place. They got If they can have 17,000 people come in every Sunday, they got enough bathroom for seventeen thousand people, and if there I'm is. in trouble like if I'm in trouble like that, I don't care if I got to sleep in a chair for two weeks. Give me the chair. At least I'm not outside where the alligators okay. now are showing up in the water. Oh oh, right, right. And the snakes uh, right. are showing up in the water. Oh oh. So you mean right. to tell I, me you don't leave them out there with that too? Plus the okay. sewages are running over. 
You're going to leave them out there where they can't go to the toilet with a towel and just wash off? No, it is wrong. And if you call yourself a Christian, then you got to read your Bible again. Okay, let me just uh, interject. This is uh, Straight Talk Live. I'm here with Pastor Bob, and I'm here with uh, Rodney Best, our wealth expert. And we're on teachingfivesales.com, and we are discussing uh, what's happening. Uh, uh, let me just say citizen preparedness uh, in lieu of the government not helping what do Christians do. That's really actually what this has turned out to be. But I think it's, both, I think it's important to understand um, that readiness, and like, like I'm reading this with this citizen preparedness. So in the climate of Katrina, I remember I was in Dallas at the time. And uh, I remember that there were so many buses. Funny, do you remember that? That there yep. were buses. First, it was five days of nothing. Finally, everybody tried to make it to that dome. And they all made it to that dome, and remember the dome wasn't ready. And then it was just craziness, all kind of chaos and just uh, mayhem going on at the dome, and there was no food and no water. And I remember T.D. Jakes band with several people, and they got trucks to go in. There were people like Brad Pitt, Matthew McConaughey. There was uh, a Sean Penn. These are folks I will never forget who got speedboats and went in and picked up people. But it wasn't the idea to pick them up to bring them to a place to drop them off. What they did was pick them up and put them on a bus and shot them to Houston and San Antonio and Dallas, moved those people totally out. It was a massive effort. And I believe that um, what we're seeing here it, the ineffectuality is due to not having, first off, to Donald Trump removing the resources, and second off, uh, to having no FEMA on the ground uh, commander-in-chief that knows everything to do right away to move the people. Because the idea is not to house them there, but to get them on the bus and get them out of there. Because if there's no freeways, you can't bring in the relief. And I just got a I just got a text in from a a friend of mine's uh, Tamika Davis, and she said anyone wanting take a trip to Texas, a disaster relief team is going to Texas this Wednesday to help the flood victims. They will be doing demo and cleanup. They are looking for laborers, fifteen dollars an hour, twenty five dollars a day for per diem. Hotel not have to live in Florida to participate. Call seven eight six three zero six eight one six nine and ask to Xavier if you're interested in going. So people, Barbara, like you were asking, are are there people doing things? And see, there are people who took education from from um. New Orleans, and they're they're doing things right now. I mean, they're getting things down there. Now, whether they have a blanket or a bed, I agree with, I'm like, I'm like Pastor Kwaku, Pastor Bob. It's like, it's, I got, I'm in a building that's not shaking and falling off of this earth. 
I'm out of the rain. Turn the heater on. Drive me off. See, it, yeah. it's, yeah. it's no, these things the where I on. think, no, no. these There's things I think you can go, they should immediately go into action, but we had to, we had to see people turn around and say, please, let us in. Let us in. I mean, well, Why? well, I said I think I think that there are other resources that have not been tapped into yet, and I think that we 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 watched mm. we watched uh, we watched in horror for five days, and we watched nobody do anything until the water subsided. Now, there's a couple things that I've heard. I've heard that downtown Houston is being spared at the uh, evidently there are levees, and evidently they are turning the levees so that the levees flood the residents opposed to flooding downtown. So they're trying to save downtown. At the same time, they are sacrificing neighborhoods, and that's kind of what happens. So people who really thought they could wait it out are now seeing that they are up to, you know, eight to ten inches worth of water uh, not only surrounding the houses, but, you know, that are, you know, taking them away down the street. And like Bob said, there are alligators, the alligator reserve, lost alligators, you've got snakes, you've got all this in the water. It's horrific. I remember talking to a few people from Katrina, and I remember being in a Denny's. And I remember looking at those people and knowing, being able to see all those hundreds of people in that Denny's in, in, in downtown Dallas. And I could pick the three out that I knew were from Katrina because I could see it on their faces, the horror that they had been through. I remember people opening their homes. And, you know, at our church, we had several people that were brought in from Dallas that could come to Oakland and people had Katrina victims in their home. I mean, that's what we can do. That's what I'm talking about. You know, we as Christians can't look to other Christians and say, well, this is why you're not doing this and you're not that and woo, woo, woo. We have to figure out a way that we can supersede uh, because the church has an amazing network. You know, I'm sure I, uh, tomorrow I plan to look and find the seven-day Adventist churches that are in that area and figure out what we can send, how we can get it there. Can we FedEx it? You know, FedEx has an obligation to deliver. You know, Bob, what do you think about that? How do we get things to people when it seems that other people can't get it there? How do we do that? Well, you get, I mean, you can, you can get things to people. It all depends on uh, getting people to come to to aid, help, and assist. I was just online today to some people on the on the cell phone, and a gentleman didn't. He was trying to find out what to do, and I told him what to do, and he wrote me back and he said, "I never thought about that. Good idea." I guess he's getting ready to work on it. I told him, "Since you got so many people online, get them people online to send you a few bucks or get you together some clothes, have a place to pick them up." get you together some food, have a place to pick them up, and uh, have the stuff shipped to them as quick as possible. It happened right here in Oakland with Katrina. I know because we carried bunches of these clothes to these trucks. And the one who did that and really got it together was Barbara Lee. 
the congresswoman yep. here, and they had yep. a whole they had a whole line of trucks coming out of Oakland and San Francisco and Richmond and Berkeley yep. that went to Katrina. A whole bunch of them. You see, it's a lot of stuff to do, but you got to remember this, sis. Number one, it was a lot of people doing stuff there before the government got there. It was right. a lot of people exactly. that came out helping people before the yep. government got there. And it was a lot of people bringing people into their homes that wasn't flooded before the government got there. You see, right. okay. no matter what oh. occurs and happens in, in, in a tragedy like this, and I have been in that situation, people are just trying to make a move to get away. And somebody okay, so I, I goes in and pick right them up now. to help them to get away. Okay, okay I, but, I so we can't depend on. on the government. We can't depend on the government all the time uh, to come in in an emergency and do everything immediately. That's why we oh. are citizens to aid okay, and help hold each on, other. Hold, hold on one second, please. Okay, so forty-five is closed. Ten is closed. The ninety is closed. Uh, the ninety uh, on the other side is closed. The two eighty-seven is closed. All freeways to Houston are closed. So there's no way to get the closest you can get is uh, Navas Soda on the north, Columbus on the east, El Campo on the south. So now I see. So you would literally have to come in on a ship to be able to help out in here. How do you think so they're that, coming in? And then you see that you saw that uh, you saw that whole that whole line of um, tractor trails with their uh, men had gotten together and they got their boats and they were on the ninety getting down into Houston earlier today. That's in, right. In, uh, preparation for that flood for that for that storm that's coming within the next 24 hours. So there's a lot of people that's down there with boats. But, Barbara, let me say this real quick. Mm-hmm. You, 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 there, there is a desire for many to help. But when you get one that's right in the middle and says no, that's where you get the turmoil. And see, Osteen created a turmoil. Everybody else was trying to help. There was no question on what you were trying to do to help. This man Mm -hmm. said his building was flooded. He created turmoil, and he lied. So now they're trying to get back to getting people. Okay, now we can get people over here too. See, before that whole area had been shut down. So as they were trying to get people out, they couldn't go to this one area because he said it was what it wasn't. Now they can get people there, and it can get easier. It'll get easier. But he right. made it difficult. That's what the problem is right now. He made it difficult, and now he's suffering the consequences. And that's what's going on. Well, so uh, said, just, for, just, just so you know, um, uh, they are uh, becoming a supply center, and they are accepting people into Lakewood currently. And they are, uh, they have a mass effort going on. But the interesting thing is, is if you look at this, what I'm looking at right now, which is uh, the belt that shows all the freeways. When you look at, when you, when you look at this and you see that there's no way in or out, 
it is just death-defying. When I look at this, I'm just, I'm just floored to see the amount of water um, that is going on right now. I just don't know how they are going to handle uh, another uh, rain. Coming in. I, just, yeah. I don't know how that's going to happen. Let me say something. Yeah. Let me say something, please. First of all, there have been four elite government uh, uh, groups, soldiers, Air Force, Army, Marines, who have been sent in. They are the elite groups who go in and get people doing all types of catastrophes, especially. Uh, they deal with the soldiers, okay? These guys are storm chasers. They will go in and do anything necessary. They have also sent in some amphibian military craft. These military craft can buck all of that fast-running swift water and go against it and go in to help. So no matter how much water is down there, They've got craft to go in the water, and men who are sacrificing themselves to go in the water to aid, help, and assist. And it takes, you know, it happens quick, but it takes time to go down there. The people in California didn't know it was going to be a flood down there in Texas, neither in New York. But the people are coming together now and going in. So it has, people have to have time to go in. In emergencies, they have to have time right. to strategize, and you can't right. strategize against a storm because you don't know right. where it's going to hit next, and right. you don't know but, when, but, where but, the earthquake's going to hit next. Okay, so you have to gather together and just do what you can, but you can't turn people down if you can help right. them. It don't make That's sense. What I'm talking about. Okay, all right. So, so, um. There was a perceived urgency, and in this perceived urgency, there was a perceived threat, but there was not enough. Why, why, why didn't people evacuate? Because this well, was going I, on for like maybe 10 days, right? I mean, I knew there about was, there was a message. Like there a was a message ago. from a few people from Texas on my Facebook page where their sheriffs or their their officials in their cities had told them stay in your home, and and you know I don't I don't disagree when there's something that's just starting up. I mean, and there, there's flooding that's just starting up where your local official, your governor, your mayor might suggest that you stay in your home. But what I disagree with as a human being. If I'm on the flatland and it's pouring down rain and they say it's going to rain for they don't know how long, I got insurance. I'm getting out of my home. I'm leaving. Yeah. Yeah, me I'm like, too. Come on. I'm we, leaving. We come too I'm leaving. Far, we come right. too far to say we're going to let somebody who's sitting in the building looking at some results. I mean, Barbara, I pulled up your the highway thing. They say in descriptions of the highways, uh, road debris, this road debris was put an accident. There was only one accident on the belt of uh, 8 West and um, 45. They said it's nothing. 
I, they should have ran him over. No, I'm sorry. But look, but I, but I, I would, just, I would I just have been put getting in my car, and I would have been yeah. getting to higher ground quickly. Quickly. Well, well, there, there's, there's something to be said about the art of shelter in place, and this is why we're talking about this. Because as I told you before, it's perception. It is the perception, well, we can wait it out. I thought it was beautiful what Bob said about years and years and years ago. Well, you know, you had a two-story house and you went up higher because you already knew that you were in a flood zone. And, excuse me, but when the city decides to open and flood certain areas to save other areas, when they decide to make the levees uh, 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 gate them and have them go in other directions, and they've told you to shelter in place, and they know you're in your home, that's a problem. And so that, see, that, that's look, kind of what we're talking about here. Can I clear Everybody, this up a little bit? Let me clear this up a little bit, because I've been watching this. Matter of fact, I've been putting it on my on my uh, video and record it because I want to send it to someone. But the whole deal is this. They showed where the levee was going to breach. If the levee breaches, that means it can continue breaching and everything, the downtown and all them other people you're talking about are going to be flooded out. That's right. That's right. So they said... What they said was, we got to let the water go in an area right now, not because of downtown, but the fastest way it can get out to save some other people. So what they did was they're letting the water out of that area because it, when Katrina busted, man, look what happened. I was looking at it on TV like, y'all, when it busted, it busted and got a whole bunch of people that they never thought would be in a flood. Well, what yeah. would happen if this big dam broke? So those those people who were flooded, everybody going to have to move out of Houston because Houston going to be flooded. So they released, the, they released the water from an area where it would be the fastest release because it's, getting, it's raining again. And the rain is turning around and coming back. So you can't have that much power on that uh, levee or the levee will break. The levee ain't made to keep, you know, to hold up to that much force and power that's going to be coming to it. That's why they made the outlets to let the water out. And that's what happened oh. there. It ain't about them saving the water from downtown where the businesses is. It's behind saving a whole lot of people. Okay. And they, so they know back, what they're doing go, in let's that. Go back, let's, go back to, let's go back to understanding uh, perceived susceptibility. Do we feel that we are susceptible to death, maim, and harm in our own homes from a natural disaster? I think I think we don't feel that. I think we feel if we're at home, uh, then we have the resources to be able to man the storm, if you will. Rodney, uh, if you could give us we're almost ready to close. If you could give us two things that you think we need to do in preparation uh, when we know something like this is coming, what two things do you think we should do? And then give us 
two things you think we can do for those people that are in Houston right here in California? In, in the first question, in preparation, <laughs> excuse me for smiling, but the first thing is identify an escape route to a facility that has been assured to assist with your protection. That's ah, the first that's thing. A good, that's a good one. The, the, I the love it. The second thing, the second thing is to make sure you have a communication network set up so that your people will know where you are and you can get them where they need to be. Mm. Now, as far as what we can do with Houston right now, mm -hmm. we got to take our ear off of Houston and put more eyes on Houston. You see, there's a lot of things being said, and everybody is hearing something differently. So we need to take our ears off of Houston, and let's put our eyes on Houston. And the second thing is, let's, like Pastor Bob said, let's start getting the proper air travel, air equipment, to be prepared to bring things into these locations that have been identified that can outlive the outcome of the levees breaking, the water coming in, the electricity coming out. Let's get things there now. Those are the things that I think that we should do, and it sounds like Americans are doing these things. I don't know what 45 and Pence, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to listen to what people say they're doing. I want to see what we do as Americans to prepare to protect other Americans. And I, and I, I want to put a that. big thank you out, big thank you out to Mexico. Oh, yeah. Said, you know, I'm going to put down the wall and I'm going to pick up the help. And I hope That's that right. the people of America hear that and vote some of these people who wanted to vote for a daggone wall and not want to pick up and help. See what they did. That's, that's I absolutely. Absolutely, because guess what? That's the only way in. You got that right. I want to thank you for that. Pastor Bob, so tell yeah, us, uh, tell us um, uh, what do you think we have two minutes? Tell us what do you think uh, – we can do to prepare for catastrophe that we should be doing every day in the sense of preparation? And then what do you think we can do now for Houston from home? What do you think are the best things to do? Okay. I can tell you real quick about preparedness. Number one, I got four garbage cans outside on the side of the house, and they said what you should do is store food in your garbage cans of canned goods, pastry, pasta, something like that, and also be prepared to have plenty of water. I just emptied some water today that I had out there from the range. I emptied it today, but it's in a clean garbage can. A couple of drops of Clorox can kill all the germs in it, but you have water. Also, you should have lights, first aid kit, 
nice clothing, some type of cooking utensil. Um, I have walkie-talkies for my entire family and oils to burn, canned goods, and I have lamps and flashlights, and I have stashed away batteries. I'll, you know, and I'm going to keep my Bible with me so I can keep reading and praying. So that I have all of that prepared because I have a place also that I believe I can get to because people are going to be leaving from that area. And that's a cave. When I was a kid and I worked at a Catholic foundation, I found a cave with water running through it, and nobody ever uses the cave. I said, if something happened catastrophe-wise, I'll pack the family and head to the cave. And I got a truck to pack stuff in to get out of here if I have to, head in a way that they're not going. The other thing we can do is for the people down there in uh, in uh, in uh, in uh, Texas is hook up with some people where you can get something to somebody that's going to aid and assist you. First of all, and don't get I, – I don't want you to – I don't know how to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. If Joel Osteen come on the TV and tell to send some money down there for Texas, he ain't getting a dime from me. And neither Amen. is TDJ. They ain't getting a dime from me. But I'm going to help. Some people here who who are getting together to try to ship stuff, and I don't mind donating to the Red Cross. And I like the idea of what Facebook is doing. Facebook says send them ten dollars, and they'll put it on your phone bill. And Facebook said they'll give the money to the appropriate people. My only thing would be this, and I still would send the money. Is who is the appropriate people? I don't know. I don't know who's handling the funds. The only one I can think about is the Red Cross and not FEMA, okay? So this is what I would say do. Try to gather together in your community and see if you can get a group of people in your community to ship stuff. I'm going to ask my, my ministry when I get there, I'm going to ask them, hey, let's put some money together, let's put some clothes together, and let's see if we can get this down there some people. We can also send food. Our ministry can send food. It's just getting somebody to carry it. We can send food every day. Because right. we well, get food what, 365 yeah. days a year, seven days a week, we distribute food to the poor. So we could distribute food to them if we could get somebody to carry it. That's it. Well, I appreciate it, you guys. You've been listening to Straight Talk Live. I'm your host, Barbara. We're on www.t25cl. And we're in the wake of the Houston uh, um, hurricane, and we're praying that it dissipates before it hits again, let the water subside. Uh, we want to talk just briefly. Today is August 29th, and it's Michael Jackson's birthday. And we can learn something from Michael Jackson, who I thought I was going to marry all, when I was like 11 and 12 I, just knew he was going to be my husband. When I got up to be about 14, I said, well, maybe not. Maybe Jermaine will be my husband. But <laughs> I knew I was going to be married to one of those Jacksons. I had all the posters on my wall. I was anti <laughs> wedding. You know what I mean? But I just want to give a shout-out to the family. I want to shout-out Prince, and I want to shout-out uh, his lovely daughter and Blanket. You know, we love you. And we want only the best for you as fans and lovers of Michael Jackson. And we just want to know, we just want to, we, we just want to know that in the Guinness Book of Records, you will find his name as the most charitable person that ever lived. He gave more money 
from his own volition, without recognition through his life, than any other person or entity. So, well, you know, with that, you know, Barbara, I want to, I want to jump on that commending list with you, and I commend the news media in the United States of America for leaving his children alone. I really, yeah. I really take my hat off to them because they have allowed him to rest in peace and allow his kids, his children, to grow in peace. And maybe down the road, I don't know, but right now I really got to commend people for biting their tongues, holding their pens, turning off their cameras, and leaving those children alone. God bless you. Well, yeah, well, I tell you, Prince is doing a great work. You know, he started a, a homeless uh, a ministry uh, that I heard about that he's funding and trying to follow his father's uh, footsteps for philanthropy. So we're just uh, happy birthday, Michael. That's what we want to say. Anyway, all right, so, gentlemen, thank you so much for being on. And uh, Next week we're going to unveil the big secrets. So uh, uh, be with us next week. And next week we're going to talk about what we didn't get to talk about this week, and that is the NFL blackout. Rodney, are you down? I got my black bet. I'm beating all on right. it. All right, because we're going to talk about that next week. Pastor Bob, yep. Colin, Ka- Colin Kaepernick, we're going to talk about that. It's a NFL blackout, y'all. Well, anyway. Uh, We appreciate all of you. Thank you so much. And uh, remember, check out T25CL and get your download of film, download some music, support your local artist. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much. And to all, a good night. And let's hope that North Korea don't explode no bombs over us like they did over Japan. Praise God. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen. With doubt, I'm out. Yes. I'm tired tired of fighting in wars. I've already been in two. Yes. All right. Good night. I'll talk to you about that next week. See you later. Bye. All right. Okay. (laughs) Bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.